And come finally, Lord, and fill us to overflowing so that we're renewed, set free to move out into the world in the power of your spirit. And it's in your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. We're in a saints series this summer. We've been uh, reflecting on saints of the church. I just want to make two quick points. I never want to miss this. Um, saints can be living and saints can have already gone on to glory. There's nothing wrong with calling a matriarch or a patriarch in your family, a school teacher, a coach, uh, someone you... There's nothing wrong with labeling those people saints any more than it's appropriate for the Catholic Church to beatify people after they've died and create feast days that we celebrate. Uh, both have their proper place in the life of the Christian. Saints are living examples for us. Ramsey did a remarkable job last Wednesday. If you didn't hear it, I, I probably do this too often. Go back and listen to it. Ramsey's um, reflection on Mother Teresa, which he highlighted a little in his sermon, I'm told. I haven't heard his sermon. is fantastic. But it was a great reminder of saints living and of saints dead. Today I get to talk about, briefly, Augustine of Hippo. It's a name I think most of us have heard. Most of us don't know a lot about Augustine. He was a North African. I'm going to read you just some facts about him. And then I'm just going to make two points based on two of his writings that I think are profound. I even believe at the end of this collect that Fred read for us, this collect for Augustine, this is the way it ended. Uh, to love you, let's see. So to know you, that we may truly love you. And so to love you, that we may fully serve you. Whose service is perfect freedom through Jesus Christ our Lord. I think those are actually words, I don't know this for a fact, I'll check it out. But I think those are words that actually lifted from the writing of Augustine. He wrote around 300 AD. So 1700 years later, our church, thanks to a lot of people from the 1500s forwards, I believe are still preserving the words of Augustine who believed that to know God, we had to know him in order to truly love, and that in order to love him, we would be set free to go fully serve him. That, that is a spotlight on Augustine's life as far as Gary Beeson can tell. Let me tell you a little bit about him, just the facts, ma'am. He was called St. Augustine of Hippo. He was born in November of 354 uh, in what's now modern-day Algeria. He died uh, August 28, 430, so he lived a long life also dying in Algeria, or modern-day Algeria. He was a bishop from 396 to 430, so long reign as a bishop. Um, he's known as one of the Latin fathers of the church, and perhaps, this is what this Britannica told me, he was the most significant Christian thinker after St. Paul. Mike read St. Paul's writings to the Ephesians today. Um, after St. Paul, at least the Britannica feels, Augustine is the most important Christian writer. His adaptation, here's where his strength lied, his adaptation of classical Platonic thought, as he uh, brought it together with Christian teaching, created for the first time a theological system of great power and lasting influence. A lot of what we believe and say and confess today can be traced back to Augustine, what he wrote, and what he preached. Um, his two most important works, and I'm going to hit both of them, are his confessions, which are just an autobiography of his life. There's a modern-day translation. It's a blast to read. Augustine didn't start out as any saint, like most saints. Uh, his confessions, and then the one that I had to study in school that I really loved was called The City of God. 
Augustine is credited for shaping the practice of biblical exegesis, asking the text, interrogating the text. What does this say about the character and nature of God? And what does this say about the entirety of Scripture? Augustine was the one who started thinking of Scripture that way. Um, he lays the foundation for medieval and modern Christian thought, and in Roman Catholic Church, he's recognized as the doctor of the church. He's remembered remarkably for not only what he did, but maybe equally as important for what he wrote. We have a lot of what he's written. And finally, and maybe most importantly, my dog is named after him. My dog's name is Augustine, but his real name that everybody calls him is Gus, because my daughter said, you can't go around calling a dog Augustine, Dad. It sounds too pompous. So he's Gus, but he's named after this particular saint. So today in my reflection, I'm going to give you, for better or for worse, my synopsis of these two great books, works. Don't take me at my word. I would encourage you to go read them for yourselves. His Confessions and His City of God. How many of us have heard this expression from Augustine? Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, God. How many of us have heard that preached from the pulpit? Some preach that our hearts are restless. It's a quote that's attributed to him, and it can be found in his confessions. His confessions are a narrative of the experiences of his human life. And the vast majority of the book, he talks about his willful separation from God. He seems to be a person who was always aware that there was a God. He was always aware that one day he would kneel in submission to this God, but he was playing, in a modern-day vernacular, fast and loose. He withheld his baptism for years because he believed once he was baptized, an ontological change would occur, and he would no longer be able to live the fast, loose, maybe even as a bouncer at a nightclub, life that he was living. He had a girlfriend. He wasn't married. She fathered a child. I mean, the book is salty and steamy, his confessions. It's about a man who says, no to God, knowing full well he's there, and I'll get to you someday. He knows he's awash in sin. He is encountering in his soul and the lives of other people and the places that he lives of what it looks like to live in a world where people are not seeking relationship with God. But, and here's the part of the confessions that lays most heavily on me, and maybe this is the first biblical truth that I love about Augustine. But, but God. So in spite of the way he was living, in spite of the way he was thinking, in spite of the way he was playing fast and loose with God, but God still wanted Augustine. God was pursuing Augustine his whole life. God wouldn't stop knocking on the door of Augustine's heart. The term that he coined for this is God's prevenient grace, which means that God's grace his love for us, his pursuit for us, his desire to be in relationship for, with us is, exists before we're even born. Paul says it in Romans, before we knew we needed God, when we were living in a life of sin, where Augustine gets this idea, God was already chasing us. I remember Mike Lumpkin 25 years ago bringing a poem to church to read in the middle of a sermon. It was called The Hounds of Heaven. The Hounds of Heaven. It's a great poem. The Hounds of in this poem are a metaphor for God's grace. And the person in the poem, who's the narrator, he, he talks about being chased everywhere by God's grace. Fred, this morning at breakfast, talked about going into an Anglican church one night after working all night in a nightclub. He said it out loud, so I know I don't have your permission, but I'm going to 
Okay, I have his permission. After working all night in a nightclub, he left the nightclub, it was morning, and heard an Anglican church. He walked into the church, went forward, and gave his life to Jesus. Fred would say, and we'll say probably in our presence, he always knew there was a God. He knew he was living outside of God's plan for his life. And one day, Fred and Augustine dropped to their knees and said, you are Lord and Savior. Augustine's prevenient grace, Augustine's understanding that nothing we do, murderers on death row, criminals on crosses, nothing we do can separate us from this God who loves us. That's his prevenient grace. It's this way in the Bible described from Jeremiah. Listen to this. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This is Jeremiah 29, 14. And I will bring you back from captivity, from that captivity of sin. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God is not content to be out of relationship with us. God sends his son Jesus to stand in that gap and to bring us back in right relationship. The way Augustine described everything I've just said is prevenient grace. In other words, our sin has exiled us. God's promise made in advance is that he will find us and he will make himself known to us. Some of us feel it in such a deep way that we run off to seminary. Some of us feel it in such a deep way that we suddenly start giving money away that we maybe shouldn't because we're kind of down to our last dollars. Some of us give away our time. Some of us give away our thoughts. We let go of those things that are keeping us captive, that are keeping us diseased or hurt. But anytime we have one of these Christ encounters where we realize, oh my gosh, you've been there all along. We can't help but be changed, prevenient grace. Secondly, and a little more quickly, in the city of God, and what Augustine's writing about is about, he's writing an editorial. Imagine the Wall Street Journal, and someone wrote on the cover of the Wall Street Journal, the Christians are responsible for the fall of Rome. That's what was going on. Rome was in decline. Rome had been overrun by the Visigoths. And somebody said, it's all the Christians' fault. They're a bunch of pacifists. They won't take up arrows and bows. They won't fight. And we're being overrun because we've allowed these Christians to live in our community, and they're ruining everything. And so Augustine pens an op-ed. He writes a little thing, which becomes very big and eventually a book, called The City of God. And in this response to the Christians have caused the fall of Rome, he writes about this idea of a fallen world. Um, he talks about the kingdom and the city of God being manifested in his church. And this church, Prince George, for example, exists as the city of God right alongside the city of man. And so the whole book is him writing in and out of these two geographies. But the point of the book is we, gathered here at 12 o'clock, are inhabitants of the city of God. We never need to forget that. And there's a spiritual battle going on. This week, um, we're going to hear in Ephesians about the spiritual battle that's occurring. Augustine knew that. There are conflicts that are going to exist in this world between God's city and the city of man. Now, as inhabitants of God's city, Augustine would say, as we send each other out every week, that our job is to get everybody inside the walls of the city of God. We're not supposed to live in here afraid. We're supposed to go back out into the world and declare the truth. Listen to this quote. The city of God is marked by people, all of us, who forego earthly pleasure to dedicate themselves to the eternal truths of God. Now revealed fully in the Christian faith, 
The earthly city, on the other hand, consists of people who have immersed themselves in the cares and pleasures of the present passing world. Augustine's thesis, therefore, depicts the history of the world as one of universal warfare between God and the devil. And folks, if you don't think we're living in that kind of environment, talk to my friend Fred, or to a bishop that we both know who came here and stayed and said, I don't know how anybody in this country is a Christian. You don't need God. In Africa, we need him. We need him for hope. We need him for purpose. We need him for unity. We need him. You don't need God here. You can get up and have three choices of whatever you want to drink. You can get up and change the temperature inside your house. You can change chairs in your house if you're uncomfortable. You don't need God. We are people who are at times distracted by the cares and pleasures of this present passing world. That city of man stuff, Augustine would warn us. Don't get immersed in the city of man. So my reflection for the saints is going to end with two questions. I want to leave us with two thoughts. It's a reflection. Where in our lives, where in your lives, where in my life, are we recognizing frequently the unstoppable grace of God? Is it a person in our life? Is it persons in our life? Is it um, of, of something we're reading? Is it Holy Scripture? Is it a place in ministry that we're involved in? Where are we constantly reminded of God's unstoppable grace? Because Augustine would say, if you were here, if you don't have an answer to that, you need to get one. You need to ask God, where, Lord, are you trying to show me your grace every day? And forgive me for not recognizing it. Um, later in, medi in medieval thought, one of the favorite quotes that I have is, breathe in God's grace, breathe out his gratitude. I think it's Brother Lawrence. It's, it's a model for the Christian life. Breathing in God's grace. Everybody take a big, deep breath. That's grace. And now breathe out gratitude. Augustine would say, go find those places in your Christian life where you see God's grace unstoppable. And the second is, what about the forgiveness of Jesus that we've been given has allowed us to recognize this city of God in our lives, not just this building. Um, where, where do we see, having been forgiven by Jesus, that our lives are being manifested through the church? If he's right, the church has believed he is, then where in our lives are we seeing it being made manifest? Augustine would say if we're not seeing it, then it's our sinful nature that's blocking our view. Or, and this might hurt, we may not be as deeply engaged and building the city of God as we should be. If we are experiencing it more clearly and more often than we experience the city of man, then it's our job to go invite others to come and experience it with us, Augustine would say. Wednesday, after, Wednesday at noon is a good example. If you experience the city of God on Wednesdays, next week think about inviting one other person to come join you, a friend, somebody that used to come but hasn't been coming. Come experience the city of God. We're all invited, and never forget that no one but God stands in the city first. Provenia Grace. Amen.